welcome to the Drunk Dietitians podcast, co-hosted by your favorite tipsy registered dietitians, yours truly, Sammy Previtt, co-owner of Dietitians of Palm Valley, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. Us dietitian besties can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Our mission is for all humans to believe that they are made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. We are also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although we're medical professionals, we are human too. We are not afraid to share our deepest secrets and how years of our lives were taken by diet culture. We started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So grab your favorite cocktail and join us for our favorite casual happy hour and expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. Cheers. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Drunk Dietitians. This is Jenna, and I am introing this episode solo because this episode features a very special guest who is near and dear to my heart, and there's really no words for me to describe how much this episode meant to me and how special it was to have this conversation and share this conversation with you guys. In this episode, we have interviewed my mom, Miss Linda Stock. She is our special guest today, and we are airing this episode or releasing it on Mother's Day weekend because in this episode, we talk about a lot of things growing up, raising a daughter, things that I kept from my mom in relation to how I felt about my body, how to speak to other family members about what is appropriate to comment on a daughter's body and all of the things in between. I shared with my mom for the first time some feelings that I had about how I felt in my own skin as a teenager and growing up and the experiences that I had in Nordstrom's dressing rooms on Black Friday sales days that I never shared with her before. And I realize now that it would have been nice to have shared that with her sooner, but having the opportunity to share this with her in this conversation was just really special. And so if you have a daughter, if you are a daughter, if you don't, if you're not, this episode will relate to you in so many different ways and kind of touch on some very different points for each person that listens. But specifically, It is one to celebrate relationships between mothers and daughters to really have an open and honest conversation and to really just go, we went in places that we've never been before as a mother and daughter. And it was just really special. And I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Can't wait to hear what you think and enjoy. Hi, everybody. So welcome back to Drunk Dietitians. I am extra excited about this episode. I want to start it with a cheers with our first guest of the day. Cheers. Um, We're seeing Sammy over here with um, the wine actually from my wedding, which is my mom's favorite, Mm -hmm. which kind of just gives away who is the first guest that we're talking to today. Um, Today's guest is a person that's very, very special to me. Um, Although I've known this woman my entire life, we're actually going to be having conversations today that we've probably never had before. So I'm pretty excited about that and really excited to introduce everyone to my mom, Linda Stack. (laughs) Who's really nervous. (laughs) Hi, mom. Hi, mom. (laughs) 
So mom, can you tell us a little bit about yourself today, who you are, maybe what you do, your favorite food, Ooh. you know, just a little something that people don't know. All right. Yeah. Well, mom, everybody knows that. <laughs> I know Sammy as well from being just great dietitians and great human beings. Um, She's a follower. I am a follower. She's a dedicated, loyal follower. Dedicated, loyal follower. Constantly, constantly trying to get everybody else to follow you. I love it. Yeah. So what? I am a um, mom first, a wife for thirty-five years. I've uh, got a great family. I love my my mom, my sisters, my brother. Um, it's just been a joy of raising my daughter and my son. Um, a personal trainer, there you go. Pilates instructor, um, cycling instructor for 20 years and plus. Um, always trying to help people with just feeling good about getting to the gym. There's, you know, I'm able to train all bodies, kind of. That was always my tagline. Yep. Never pretended to I be a dietitian or a nutritionist because I'm not. Even and before I was even one. Before <laughs> even before the daughter. Yeah, it was never in my wheelhouse. It was never something I was comfortable advising. So, and I so often refer. What you just said there, though, that like fitness has always been a part of your life, right? Like you were always active even when you were raising me. But like, let's let everybody know that I was still raised on pop tarts, okay? True. <laughs> and toaster strudel. And yeah, so. <laughs> so we're going to dive a lot deeper into that soon. But we start out each episode of Drunk Dietitians with a rapid fire. So I'm going to ask you to choose okay. without thinking okay. too long. Ready, yep. set, wine or beer? Wine. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Cat, cats or dogs? Dogs. Raw <laughs> or vodka? Vodka. Snow or sand? Sand. Okay, moment of truth. Crunchy or smooth peanut butter? Crunchy. Ha! That's Damn! That's my team. I'm a smooth <laughs> girl. And if you could have anything in this world in limitless quantities that's not money, what would it be? Oh, um, sunshine. Oh, that's a good one. That's a really good one. You should go live with Sammy. <laughs> yeah, come on down to Florida. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. We're very excited. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, first of all, I wish I was in your guys' beach house drinking wine with you right now. I'm at my office um, and have a mocktail today because I have a lot of work after this. But um, we're just going to kind of jump right in. And the reason we brought mom on, I'm just going to call her mom because it's easier. Um, mom by association is just because, you know, our relationship with food starts from a young age. And Jenna and I shared our stories of how our relationship with food develops and our relationship with our body and childhood. And of course you mom were a big part of Jenna's childhood and we wanted to get your perspective on it kind of from an outsider's view pointing in. But before we get into some of that personal stuff, I love science. I know Jenna loves science. That's a big part of what we do and why we do what we do. So I do want to share just a few studies here with our followers and the listeners. Um, and then we'll definitely link these in the show notes for anybody listening, just so we can, um, I think it's always important to have research behind what we talk about. Um, not that our discussion has to be based around research today, but just to let people know why we're talking about what we're talking about. So when we're looking at dieting, when we're looking at eating disorder specifically, 
I think it's important to look at um, the numbers with children. So, and just the numbers in general. So eating disorders have doubled from 2000 to 2006 to 2013 to 2018, the actual incidence of eating disorder has doubled in our country. Um, and that's one thing that I think is huge to bring light to because I'm going to use some air quotes over here. Um, every time I say that, then usually there'll be someone, if I'm speaking like in a room, they'll be like, well, the obesity epidemic, air quotes for people not watching, is also <laughs> growing, right? And I think there's a lot of, um, this could be, again, a whole other podcast in itself, but I think it's important to bring light to eating disorders being a psychological disorder and that all bodies can have an eating disorder. You don't have to look like you have an eating disorder to have an eating disorder. Um, but bringing that back to adolescence, dieting is the number one most common predictor of eating disorder in adolescence. So when we think of dieting um, and where kids and adolescents are exposed to dieting, right? A lot of times it's family, friends, media, all that kind of stuff. So just being aware um, that that's the number one predictor. Any thoughts of those two that I just shared there? You guys, I know I'm talking a lot, so I want to make sure. Well, I think that it's so powerful to hear those numbers because numbers don't lie, right? Like that's something that as behavior change coaches, to some extent, you and I, you know, sometimes people need those numbers and those numbers right there do not lie. Um, and I think one of the biggest things that I just want to share is that growing up, I think the impact at home is so important. But my mom, and I can only speak from my own experience, never imparted anything that she may have felt about her own body onto me. And mm -hmm. I still ended up kind of fucked up in that sense. <laughs> so I think, which no, that's media. Right, which is media, exactly. And it just goes to show you the family support is so important. And you think about the people that don't have that combined with the media and like how much they're working against and just really like hearing those statistics and knowing how rampant this is, is just very, it's very sad. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, it, it's, the numbers are just booming, which is one of the, I don't want to say scary, but I guess scariest things about that. And that's something that as dietitians, if we don't look at that, like if we turned a blind eye to that, which a lot, of, and I'm going to just say it, like a lot of dietitians do, they're, they just talk about weight loss only. And then they just kind of say, oh, like, don't worry about the eating disorder, like numbers growing. Like that, that's, something interesting. Again, another, another episode in of itself, but so, so let's dive a little deeper then into some of the personal stuff. Cause we have mom here. So, yeah. all right. So here's a question. And again, I want every listener to know that actually mom, can you say a little bit just about, you know, first of all, I love you with my whole heart and the honesty here is what's going to make, you know, people really connect to you. Um, but you know, how do you feel about your own body and, you know, going through the pressures as a mom, but also like, let's be honest, when I was 13, what were you in your forties? Like low forties, like that's young. That's not so far off from where I am now. So with that said, you know, you're still going through pressures of your own 
in that sense, raising a daughter, and there's some other things that I'm going to kind of hit on with that too, but you know, how was it for you to manage to some extent, maybe how you were feeling in your own skin and also being cognizant of, you know, my own emotions as well. To speak to that, I think that I never wanted you to ever know or feel any angst that I had with my own self-image, which at times were great and sometimes not so great. You know, <laughs> I think I'm in better shape today than I was when I was in my 30s, raising your own 40s. Um, but I never wanted you to ever see me diet or not that, and I never really because every time I said to myself, I'm going to go on a diet tomorrow, I need to lose five pounds, I'd wake up starving <laughs> and then like say, okay, for, forget it. You uh, can you say know. the F word. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can I say that. Forget it. But I'm not, you know, and so, so, and my weight has basically been stable my whole life. Um, and I attribute that to moving and being active. Yeah. And not restricting. Not restricting. Yeah. Really not. She know. loves her wine. <laughs> but so let me ask you this then on top of that, you know, being that you were so cognizant of it, which I, again, I can attest to, you know, how did you have the information though to know to be that way? Because like, was there something that happened in your life or friends that you knew that kind of like imparted that information or those projected those feelings on their children? Yeah, I guess in the... In, in the past, you know, anorexia, eating disorder, disordered eating, eating disorders was really just beginning to mm-hmm. show itself. And, um, you know, I know that my husband was a chubby kid. And it, Who, by was, the way, let's just go there. So that you mentioned it. <laughs> when he was growing up, he was sent into the FBI as a kid as he was about 13, I think it was. I think it was like 11, 11 like 10 years old. Yeah. So get ready for this, everyone. That stands for the Fat Boys Institute. At 11 <laughs> years old, if you guys could see her face, right? Oh my gosh. At 11 years what? old, he was told at 11 that he was chubby and that to play football, he needed to be strong and that he needed to lose weight. And he would go in before school for this oh extra my gosh. This is back in what year? And then, you know, being <laughs> like, on, and he was 17. also put on like, diets and eating tuna and cottage cheese. cheese and things like that and so oh my gosh it's sort of in our you know <laughs> we need to have him on next, so next don't time. tempt him he's upstairs he i'm is. surprised he hasn't like yelled down right now <laughs> but He's you know more. so despite all of these amazing efforts your awareness is something that i want to celebrate because i think that's very hard to do um but despite all of these amazing efforts you know that were made at home to raise a daughter without a focus on body image, you know, let's just call a spade a spade. In our first episode ever, I talk about the struggles that I had with my body and I've been much more open about them now. Um, But do you remember any experiences like me crying in dressing rooms when we would go on Black Friday to Nordstrom and that light fluorescent lighting shows everything and clothes that fit my cousins didn't fit me and my butt was big and my boobs were small and the insecurities and I was short. Like, do you remember those? Those feelings or you know my friends being really tall and lean and thin or whatever it was and I was always athletic and how we played that off as like sports are great for you but like did that impact you at all well I think that you know having having you reminded me of that I mean, you know there were those <laughs> she shut that out there, there were those times but I think as raising a daughter I needed to just focus on 
the fact that you were an athlete and you were never going to have, you know, six foot tall, giant long legs. And, <laughs> you know, we always told you we were going to grow and you never did. You got <laughs> past five, four and a half. So, you know, that, that was just the reality of it. And so I never wanted you to feel anything less than beautiful and um, in your own skin. Now, obviously, I was trying to raise you proud and strong and never wanting to, to refer to you. I mean, we've had family members or friends that say, oh, you know, when you were younger, oh, did you put on a few pounds? Oh, and, that used to spiral and, me. And that would spiral you. And I would yell <laughs> at those that perceived persons in your <laughs> life that would maybe say that. And I would correct them, say, no, 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 she's in great shape. You're not so thin. Or you're so thin. It was either that, you know, put on a few pounds at 12 or 13, or maybe you were, she lost weight, whatever it was. But it's never, no, you're not thin. You're fit. You're always, I never wanted to refer to that as being thinner. And that was good. I wanted yeah. to be in good shape and healthy and fit and working your body because that's what is going to maintain that inner beauty. And so yeah. as a mom that I was always def like deflecting, deflecting. <laughs> and yeah. trying to just spin any situation in a dressing room or, or amongst other people to just try to get you to accept you. Did you ever, that just because I'm now interested, did you ever remember like sitting Jenna down and talking to her after a, whoever that asshole, sorry, was <laughs> that said that? Um, I don't know them, so I can say that. Yeah. But like, did, did she, did you ever sit her down and say like, hey, honey, like it's never okay for someone to make a comment about your body. So I'm sorry you had to deal with that. Or did, was it just kind of like in the moment saying things? I, I, I could have been that quick on my feet I think I addressed it more with the individual yeah you know making this hard really not coming from a place of anything but just no filter just not really thinking yeah what was being said to a 12 or 13 year old girl who's you know hasn't grown up yet and and is dealing with body image so I think that I I, I kind of zoomed in on the offender mm -hmm. Maybe let you fend for yourself, yeah. which, but which at 12, hindsight, no, because at 12 and 13, like there's a picture of me. I'm wearing a yellow oh, bikini, and my family is a tankini. You're 11. I was 11, and my family will remember this. Like, I you look at it now, and I'm like this cute little chubby kid, but I was like so proud and excited oh, to wear my it. tankini because at that phase of my life, like none of that had like gotten in, right. but you yeah. fast forward, right? And like we've talked before you and I, Sammy, about, you know, I've done everything from every diet that's ever like lived to experiment with pills and potions for weight loss. And like, you know, those same family parties, like I remember a Thanksgiving where I drank like a laxative tea or whatever it was before the Thanksgiving. I think my cousin and I might've done this together. Oh, I don't want to throw her under the bus, <laughs> but you know, drank that before. So that in my mind, I was like, as I was eating, it was coming out. Like, how messed up is that? Like, yeah. I wasn't a dietitian yet. Like, let's put that out there. And when I was like super sick um, a couple of months ago at this point or weeks ago, and I was having diarrhea from a virus, I kept thinking to myself as I'm laying in bed, like, I can't believe I ever put this pain on myself. Right. <laughs> like, but like, that's what it is. And that's that messed up impacted diet culture brain that again mom I love you but like you didn't even know that was happening I didn't I really <laughs> didn't and I feel very ashamed because, <laughs> stop it <laughs> you know, I mean I didn't but I, I I 
applaud your honesty, both of you, like your honesty about your, your experiences growing up and as, as adults. And um, a lot of this stuff, it's like, wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, yeah. I, like I maybe knew that you were insecure. Uh, yeah, whatever. But it, it just, it, I don't know. It just didn't really impact me that you were doing diets or, and, and that's something I just know. I mean, I was never been on Weight Watchers. I always thought, oh, I'd love to go to Weight Watchers. <laughs> You know, at the time when I was in my 30s, and then I think, but I only have like four pounds to lose. And still, you know, like it was just not anything I ever did or wanted to be um, involved. My dad went in. once. Yeah. They told him he got because like his a, office did. Yeah. They told him he got a certain number of points and he blew all of them in his breakfast muffin and then he never right. went back. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> it was an office challenge. Yeah. But like that's the culture. And I think that it's very, it's, it's really interesting and I don't want to throw you under the bus for not recognizing it because I think that I did a great job of hiding it. And at that point in my life, it was really none of your business, right? Like you were done raising me right. at that point. I was, I, was, oh, I was on my own and making choices as an adult. But I think that the, I think that goes to show the true impact of social media, right? So like mm -hmm. my mindset and my need to not be this athletic girl anymore and to be Thin, took it to extremes that I was hiding from people. And I think that's where, Sammy, your message is so strong that everybody, nobody can be judged from the outside, right? Mm -hmm. You don't know what somebody's doing to either look that way or obsessing over to feel a certain way or just ashamed to be a certain way. And again, I think that's a whole nother conversation, but you know, someone as close in my life, there's no one closer to me yeah. than my mom didn't know. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. that maybe you were dealing and experimenting, you were also running yeah. from these conversations. For sure. To hide, I, I think in hindsight. Would never tell you that. Yeah. I think, Part of it was being ashamed for a lot of reasons, but also ashamed that like I would have failed you oh, or that like, how could I be doing these things, right? So it's very interesting. It's an interesting thing. I mean, any moms that are out there listening, you know, I don't, you have any advice for any moms listening? Just to be a good listener and to <laughs> be a, a, I mean, I think moms, I'm going to generalize, but I think that you know, if you're in your child's life, then there is no a shame. There is no, there's nothing that you can say or do or anything that will turn me away. So to me, that openness is important. And there's reasons why you were hiding, but now you're not. So it's good. No, everyone knows. <laughs> and I think as like, we work with a lot of mothers too, yeah. that like there is no such thing as your child not being beautiful, regardless of what descriptor words we would use for their body. Right. And so, and I think now, like I would say in 2019, like, especially with social media growing, you'll see a lot more people talking about body positivity and it not being okay for family members and friends to make comments and whatnot. But like that definitely at least from a counselor's perspective, looking at your story, Jenna, like whoever those people were, even though mom was like, no, like she's great. And, and she was being reinforcement in a positive way. Those comments are still 
going to be under your skin, right? Because the fact that somebody is calling it out and, and saying it, um, and then a whole nother one, which I know we're going to have a future episode on thin privilege, but that's a whole nother kind of can of worms to think about is that generally speaking between myself and then you, Jenna, as well, I still think we come from this place of, we call it quote air quotes, thin privilege, but it's, it's like more of a growing topic where it's not like you were in a body that was so large that you couldn't fit in a, a normal size chair with arms on it. Right. Or like a airplane chair. Like if you go on an airplane and then you need two seats or things like that. And so that's something too, that when we look at eating disorder, when we look at these numbers, a lot of times there's people that are in much, much larger bodies that are getting oppression, fat shamed and, and, and then people in smaller bodies thinking it's okay for me to say this because it's their fault that they look like that. Mm-hmm. And this is like a whole nother conversation. I'm going on like a, yeah, but it, 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 sometimes it feels a little uncomfy to talk about, but this is where, when we say like all bodies are worthy of love, all bodies are good bodies. Like, I mean, all bodies. Like we're talking about the largest body that you've ever seen to the smallest body. Um, but again, we live in a world that like presses this smaller bodies are better bodies thought process. So when, and then again, when we have these family members saying things or media or whatnot, then it just continues to kind of like fuel that fire. Um, think about that conversation right now with like your grandparents and like, I, let my let my nana rest in peace the first comment she would say to any human being that she saw yep. like where you look great or you've gained some weight and yep. like thankfully for my own self-esteem you know those comments to me were more of like they were less negative for a, a large a large part of my life but i know a lot of people that that wasn't the case for them and i yeah. can't even imagine how that has continued to impact their self-esteem or their efforts and impact their limiting beliefs. Like I talk about that a lot with my clients where something's happened in your life where you believe you don't deserve to feel a certain way. Right. And then we think back to experiences like that, that maybe if anyone listening has one of those, like know that these people were just not as educated as we are on this topic today to understand Mm -hmm. that making any comment, whether you think it's a positive one or not about someone's body is just inappropriate. Yeah. Thoughtful about that. I mean, I, I, again, like in hindsight, I wish I would have addressed that with you one-on-one right then and there just, but at the time, like you said, I think you just deflected it and you weren't really, you were just in love with your body at that time. Right. And so in my, in my tank, you were adorable <laughs> and, and, you know, and it was, it was, a, it was a fact. Um, and as you grew up and, you know, became more uh, of a young adult and young woman, you know, obviously things, um, body image changes and there was a lot more exterior input. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It wasn't insulated anymore. You were college, you were, you know, you were gone. The competition so. is not any longer like, local to a small town, right? Like we open up these doors. Sammy and I both went to Penn State. There's 40,000 undergrad, you know, like comparison syndrome is everywhere in every aspect of your life as you're trying to decide who you are and who you want to be. Um, And I think that's really where the highlight of my demise of my self-worth really came to be. 
but it's only now like looking back on this very closely, which I haven't done for a long time. I kind of pushed that away because I didn't really want to believe that I had these issues. And I was actually recently on a podcast where somebody asked me like, why did you become a dietitian? And when I told her, she was like, so you didn't become a dietitian to because you had a history of an eating disorder. And I was like, no, like I do know a lot of people go into this field to help others like them. But then like you look backwards and it's like the disorder wasn't characterized as a, like a clear cut eating disorder, but there's disordered eating since I was 13, right? So yeah. we think about that and we think about those experiences that now we're able to use to help other people and talk about it. But how many people have these experiences and are not talking about it to help other people? Through the age? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you took laxatives before Thanksgiving. Like, <laughs> like, we like, like at that time, at that time, you didn't think that was disordered. Right. right. And so, and I have, I didn't, I never took laxatives. Um, but I mean, I definitely had behavior patterns that at the time, like I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm being healthy, which like, absolutely not. Like, and so you look back and you're like, Oh, well, maybe, maybe I was disordered in my thought process or in my habits. And, and so, yeah, it's looking back it, and it's hard to do, like you said, like, and it's not fun. What? <laughs> yeah, like it's not a fun thing to do, but once you get comfortable with it and once you realize it, and I think the beauty is once you make peace with your body and with your relationship with food, then it becomes easier to talk about. And I don't think anyone's ever perfect. I don't think we're not saying that we wake up in a, and look in a mirror every day and say, I love my body. Right. Like that's not, that's, I really don't think that's humanly possible for most people, but feeling comfortable, respecting your body, understanding that it's continuously changing, that there's always going to be, you know, different stuff going on with it. Like that is, <laughs> what'd you say? Menopause. Yes. Right. <laughs> different stages of life. So. When it will be, <laughs> we'll bring it back. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I think that really the purpose of this episode is really to just open up the dialogue between family and friends. And I think if anyone can take anything away from this, it's like setting expectations and boundaries, right? Like with yeah. holidays or family functions or parties or even with your parents, like explaining and connecting how you feel in your skin. Even if you're projecting something completely different out there, you don't know whose or what comment is going to really affect the rest of your life. And I think that if we can open the dialogue to these conversations or show a little bit of extra grace in dressing rooms, I mean, I, I personally remember like crying on Black Friday when we would go as a family to Nordstrom. It was, yeah. I love Nordstrom. I'm not bashing you Nordstrom, but you know, <laughs> I remember like those fluorescent lights in that tiny dressing room and these women knocking on the window. Do you need another size? And like, God forbid, I said, yes, right. I need the bigger size in front of all of these women changing. Like that was horrifying for me or sharing the dressing room with my lean, tall, skinny cousin who was fitting into everything. And maybe she has her own story of how maybe that wasn't true. But in my eyes, in my warped mind, she was fitting into everything that I couldn't, right? And mm -hmm. so those experiences, when we look back on it, like really shapes the obsessive and compulsive tactics that build from there. So I'm not saying don't go in a dressing room with your cousin. And I'm not saying <laughs> don't have these experiences, but 
also know that you're not alone if you do. And I think that's important. Yeah. I think like you said, kind of, I think you said boundaries, but I think it's like knowing what your triggers are because the trigger might not go away, but how will you react to the trigger? It can be hugely different. So for example, if there's a holiday coming up or if there's a party coming up and you know that Aunt Cheryl's going to say some bitchy comment, getting ready for that and saying, okay, I can either, depending on my mood, I can um, change the subject. I can not fight back, but kind of defend my body and change the subject. I can choose to walk away. Like having ammunition ready for if we're specifically talking about like someone making a comment, I think is huge. And that's something I work on with, with my clientele of, of being ready. Cause unfortunately we can have these wonderful conversations about all bodies of worthy are love and, you know, et cetera. But the world and our culture still has a lot of paradigm shifting to do. Um, so being able to react and, and feel confident is, is huge. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, it's hard. It's, it's, it's important to give young women, g- girls, the ownership of, of that, you know, mm-hmm. being able to say to uncle and boys you know, Sam too. that we are in boys too, yeah. that no, I, I love who I am and no, I'm not whatever. And you know, I don't know, just give like your opinion. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or like, yeah. Or like, can we just shift the comp, the compliment or the, negative comment to something other than body right and that's where i think it comes down to like i always say like someone else's opinion of my body is none of my business so they can say whatever the hell they want but it learning how to not let it get to you of course we always care what other people think no matter how hard we say we don't like i could get 500 positive comments on a video and then that one negative one i'm like like i'm so pissed <laughs> And, and, and I can only imagine as the, you know, the counts get bigger and the more comments roll in how that'll work. But, but being able to, again, yeah, like just take it away from the body. If you're going to compliment someone, compliment their smile, their laugh, their character, how they brighten a room. Like we don't give a shit what size pants they wear. Like what kind of person are they? Um, and someone posted something the other day on Instagram. It was a size 27, I think. And it was like six different brands. I don't know if anybody saw this, but it was six different brands of the same size. Yeah. The, every single pant was a different size. Right, yeah. So oh, like, yeah. We like start like not caring about these right. things. Like yeah. it's, yeah. it's wild. I spent my whole life trying to be a whatever size. And I remember like when I bought that size, when I was at my tiniest, I now have to give them all because <laughs> that's not my body's set point. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yep. I had a client actually yesterday who has told me she, we were working on buying clothes that fit her body and not trying to change her body to fit her clothes. And she pulled out, like she finally did like a, a sweep of her closet and same kind of thing. She had like all the same size pants, but they were some were too big, some were too small, some fit perfectly. And I was like, so why are we letting that dictate like our happiness? Like, where is that coming from? Um, I think that's really an important thing to look at. So that was a good, good point there. I also just love this conversation so much too, because my mom and I have recently had conversations about like the, you know, the new movement of nutrition, right. And how trying to help other people who are not 
as connected to this as you and I and our clients are, um, to understanding like the movement that is body acceptance and food freedom. And it's more than just hashtags, but like understanding like the detrimental impact and effects of dieting. And I think Sammy opened up this episode with statistics that are so powerful that I kind of want you to like reread again to like close out this episode to just like really drive home those points that it's the whole life cycle that matters. It's the external factors. You can do so much internal work, but if you're not prepared for the external, you know, this is a good place to start and like listening and trusting the people that love you to understand and to be your support system. It's huge. And I think my story could have been a lot worse if I didn't love my family as much as I do and have the support that I do have. And I think, you know, again, like a lot of what was discussed today is the first time that you're hearing yeah, some of this. Yeah, and some, some of the things that, been, that I'll hear for the first time are on social media, on your social media. <laughs> yeah. Wait, same I, with my mom. My mom would say the same thing. Like, she'll be like, wait, you struggled with that? And I'm like, uh, yeah. And it's, like, but I, and it's I, not your fault. But if I, I, we need you to thank know. You. But mm-hmm. if I look back mm-hmm. on that, you know, the times in your life, I could probably piece together the puzzle of, yeah, that was happening but really just being unaware of it, you know? So as a, as a parent, you're like, well, I should have known, you know, but, um, in retrospect <laughs> now, but right. only cause Jenna has posts about it. And then you're like, oh, <laughs> and she's been, I remember that. that. Yeah. Now it's like, yeah, yeah that's like, you know, I, I knew you were into some CTs and stuff like that. Yeah. I found them in my house the other day mm. when I was cleaning things out, I should post that. So yeah. See it for real. <laughs> be a good one. But yeah, do you, before we have Sammy read those stats again, or like put any final thoughts in there, is there any advice or feelings or things that you just reflecting back on my childhood, your own childhood, you know, your experiences and just kind of tying this all together? No, that's a hard question. It's, there's so much. She's going to be thinking about this for I know, there's so much. I'm not yeah. on my feet, but, you know, thinking about my childhood and our holidays, it was always revolved around food. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. what, and there was We're always Jewish. those people yeah. in your life that would call you out if, oh, you, you gained, did you gain weight? You know, like, <laughs> did you lose weight? It was always, yep. or what, if it wasn't directed at me, it was directed at someone mm-hmm. at the table. You know, so that's always there. And I guess it's just a way of growing, like learning about your referencing, um, you know, your future podcasts and body image and body body positivity and how you would raise a child today with different dialogues that maybe yeah. I'm in that protective mode, like don't fuck with my daughter. <laughs> you know, I love it. I am going to, you know, raise your face right. Don't ever say that. What are you out of your mind like why would you say that while she's off in another room playing you know like that's what I (laughs) that was sort of my role maybe today I might be a little bit more um aware of speaking to you directly like that was not the appropriate thing to say and how do you feel about your body and maybe you know changing the conversation so I learned that today. I love that. From you guys. Yeah. Because, you know, I was the protective lioness, but, and that's okay too. Yeah. Absolutely. But in hindsight, you know, maybe I, maybe the dialogue needed to happen with you or your brother or my nieces or nephew, whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, 
it's it's hard. It's hard to to being to, a parent to take be very hard. That information <laughs> out there and yeah. all this culture and this bullshit diet culture, which I am so on your you know on your team. She's your number one fan. I am on all, all, you know just hundred percent because diets don't work. I've seen, I have friends and I have family that have struggled their entire lives and continue into their 50s and 60s with diet, chasing, the, know, same chasing the same, you know, weight loss and not willing to, their bodies are always rebelling. Yeah. And so I, you know, I, it's, I'm all about that. You anti-diet. feel good? I do. Okay, good. I was home with my little baby cousin the other day in front of my entire family and being like, we're going to raise you to body positive and love your body yeah. and, and no one's gonna right. tell you what to eat everyone's looking at me and I'm like it needs to start now right. yeah. <laughs> yes it does it does <laughs> absolutely but I think I mean you Linda had such a great relationship it sounds like relationship with your body to be able to say some of those things and that's one thing I do want to validate for any listeners we work with a ton of mothers who aren't comfortable in their body. And it's really hard to raise someone to be comfortable in their body when you're not depending again, this is a, such a spectrum. So this isn't like you either are, or you aren't, of course, we all have our own things about our body that we might want to change. But so it's really hard, especially nowadays with media, like for mothers that if they're stuck in that diet culture, like some of your friends you're talking about, if they're trying to raise children, and they're prioritizing thinness and weight loss, and then little girl sees that it it kind of perpetuates. So it's it's definitely yeah. And I just, just to mention one thing I've, I've seen I think in maybe some of your posts, Sammy, about you know, or maybe it was Fuck Diet Culture Friday, where mommy's eating certain foods. Yeah. You know, but these are not these are mommy's foods. That's not a, to me. That was like, oh my gosh, that's like can't happen. Can't happen. Yeah. No. No, all foods. I wasn't always, and I'm not always comfortable in my own body. I mean, there, you know, I am a fitness instructor and, you know, that stems from wanting to maintain a certain image and to be, yeah. you know, in good shape, et cetera. But also, you know, to, to, to manage my own. Yeah. Um, it's okay to admit that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think body love and body respect are two different things too. Cause I think with this body positive movement, a lot of people's messages, they'll be like, just love your body. That mm-mm. like, <laughs> I, oh, and then, and then the, also when they're pairing that with a weight loss message, woo, we got a lot of work to do, <laughs> but but if we're talking about respecting our body, saying like, I don't feel comfortable right now, but I know that you need nourishment or movement or mental help or, you know, hydration or whatever it is, like respecting our body and loving our body are two different things. And sometimes we, we don't love our body and that's okay. So anyone listening like that, that is absolutely okay. I love my body every day. Yeah. No, I agree yeah. with that, but I respect it. It mm-hmm. gets me from A to B. And when we talk about it now mm-hmm. as practitioner to mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not always, it's not. Yeah. And of course, menopause is a whole yeah. different, you know, thing yeah. that um, has kind of thrown me for a loop, but it's, but even so, I think as no matter what I was feeling, I never wanted my children to know that I wasn't 100% in, in my body. 
yeah to, to to not experience that and not so I protected you from that yeah. you know? and I'm so, very grateful for it and I think that it's important for anybody listening to know that no matter what your circumstances were growing up you never have to feel bad for where it brought you right so my circumstances and how I was raised was perfect to set me up for body love and positivity that I don't have every day right so you know it's things happen in external factors and if we can equip people with the message and the positive movement behind it and the understanding and you know the safety net I think that's the goal of this podcast and this episode for sure I love it I love it. So if you want me to, I'll close out with some of those facts again. Um, and we'll, like I said, we'll link these in the show notes too. So people can actually go to these specific studies. Cause I'm very much so paraphrasing. Um, one that I didn't share, but I think can get tied into this as well is just thinking about if we are chasing weight loss, right. Through fad dieting, we know that dieting is the most consistent predictor of weight gain. Most studies, two thirds of dieters will gain back their weight. They had originally lost and then more. So if the whole reason we're doing diets in the first place is to lose weight, which we shouldn't be, but that's again, another conversation, then we know that it's probably not going to work. So then if we look over here at more stats, 35% of dieters develop disordered eating behaviors and 30 to 45% of those dieters will progress into full-blown eating disorder. And then going on to the last ones that I shared previously, eating disorders have doubled from 2000 to 2006 to 2013 to 2018. Dieting is the most important predictor of eating disorder in adolescence. And one last one here is just bringing awareness to the word eating disorder. I think a lot of times people think of that as anorexia nervosa and bulimia, thinking about somebody looking emaciated or visually looking like they have an eating disorder, but eating disorders do not discriminate. Mm -hmm. Atypical anorexia is an emotional disorder characterized as obsessive desire to lose weight. That could be an any sized body. And orthorexia is an obsession with eating foods that are considered air quotes, healthy. So those are two very much so newer eating disorders um, that I think are running rampant and diet culture is just lighting a fire under those and continuing continuing to spread those. So with that being said, um, with all those fun facts. I think that counts as our nutrition tipsy of the day. Yeah, um, yeah. That diets don't work, but we can always focus on behaviors, right? Yeah. And I think it comes down to two, like if you want to, right. And I hope with every client I work with that they want to improve their health, but that is an option. So when someone points a finger at us and tells us work on your behaviors, like that's up to you. So if you want to do that, then yeah, we can work on behaviors, but do you have to do it? No, not necessarily. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a choice for sure. For sure. Awesome. All right. Well, any other closing thoughts on your end? Thank you, mom, for being I here. I like the tipsy of the day. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like Cheers to diets not working. Cheers. Yes. Cheers. Cheers. Enjoying Cheers. time, being open with family. Um, I love it. Thank you for being here. I love you. I love you, you Sam. You too. I love you guys. I want to formally meet Linda. <laughs> I know. I feel like you two know each other we'll forever. Be, we'll be I know. We'll come see you. They want to Perfect. <laughs>
Um, <laughs> Perfect. Come on down. <laughs> all right. I love you all. Thank you everyone for listening. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much for listening and being here with us. I am virtually cheersing all of you. We absolutely love sipping on a cocktail with you and sharing as many nutrition tipsies as possible during this episode. We know there are a ton of pods out there and we are so appreciative of your time that you spent listening to us today. Please be sure to check out the show notes for episode details and all of our guest information. We promise to keep bringing you the best and the most knowledgeable and fun guests we possibly can. Please be sure to subscribe, like, share, and post if you enjoyed our content today. And visit us on Instagram and Facebook at Drunk Dietitians to find out what is up next for us on the pod. We absolutely love you. We appreciate you and can't wait to spend more time cheersing with you soon.